0: I read a true story this week about an incident that took place at a passion play where they were acting out the crucifixion of Christ. And the story goes like this. The man playing the part of Jesus was carrying a cross and being heckled by a man of the audience who was taunting the actor and insulting him. It got so bad that the actor playing the part of Jesus dropped the cross, walked over, and punched the guy out. The director was horrified and pulled the actor aside and told him, in no uncertain terms, never do that again. But the next night when they did the play, the same heckler was back, doing the same thing, and this time the actor lost it again and had to be restrained. At this point, the director called the actor in and gave him an ultimatum. Either keep your composure or quit. So the young actor assured the director that he would keep himself under control. The third night, The heckler was present again, and his taunts were even worse than the two previous nights. The man playing Jesus stopped, stood up straight, looked the heckler in the eye, and said, Buddy, I'll see you right after the resurrection. In the next 24 hours, over a billion people around the world will celebrate Easter, the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That event has changed the course of history. In fact, the resurrection has divided history into two parts, B.C., before Christ, and A.D., a Latin phrase, Anno Domini, that means in the year of our Lord. Human history is divided into the time before Jesus came to our world and the time after Jesus came to our world. And no matter what you believe about Jesus, the fact is that he has changed the lives of countless people. And so on this Easter Sunday, the most important question is this. How can the resurrection of Jesus Christ change your life and mine? And let me say this, I believe the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus is so compelling that any reasonable person who honestly investigates this evidence will conclude that the resurrection is a fact of history. And so my purpose this morning is not to convince you that Jesus rose from the dead. My purpose is to show you how the resurrection can give you something that you cannot live without, hope. I'd like to begin with this verse written by one of Jesus' followers, a man named Peter. And he said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to show you this morning how the resurrection of Jesus can enable you to live with hope, no matter what's happening in your life right now. And this is such an important topic Because when life is hard, there's a question we often ask, is there any hope? For example, the couple who spent the last few months with a marriage counselor, but instead of growing closer together, they are drifting further and further apart, and they ask, is there any hope? Or the parent who sees their teenager struggling with school and friends and making choices that are taking them in a dangerous direction, and the parent says, is there any hope? The teen who feels trapped in a world where no one seems to understand or care about them and they wonder, is there any hope? The patient who's been worrying for weeks about their test results and the news they receive from the doctor is, is very hard to hear and they wonder, is there any hope? Or the person who's trying to break free from an addiction. They give in and they feel like giving up and they wonder, is there hope? any hope. Whatever's happening in your life on this Easter Sunday, I want you to know two things. Number one, there is hope. And number two, God brought you to this place this morning so that you could hear a message about hope. Now I know some of you are are typically here on a Sunday morning because this is your church home. You're part of our Boynton Beach Community Church family. Others of you might have been invited by a friend. Maybe you got a postcard in the mail. But whatever reason you're here, God has a very important message that he wants you to hear because he wants you and me to live with hope. And that's the first thing we're going to look at this morning. God wants you to live with hope. This is a verse that points this out. It's from Romans chapter 15, and it says this, for everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? Hope. God wants the stories in this book to give us hope and today I want to look at a particular story that I believe can give us tremendous hope especially when life is hard and we face unexpected challenges but before we look at that story there's an important question to consider what is hope it's important to define hope because we use that word in in many different ways for example I heard a story about a a man who wanted to encourage some older people in an assisted living facility And so on the weekend, he would bring his keyboard and play songs and sing along with the people there. And as he was leaving, he said to one of the ladies, I hope you get better. And she shot back, Man, I hope you get better too. Often we use that word hope to express what we want to happen. I hope this is a good movie. I hope my baby sleeps through the night. I hope this is a short sermon. We use that word hope to express what we want to happen, but here's the reality. What we want to happen often doesn't happen. And we realize that we had false hopes. And that's why it's important to realize that the word hope in the Bible has a different meaning. It does not refer to what we want to happen. It refers to what we know will happen. This is a definition of hope on your outline. Hope is the confident expectation that God will do what he's promised Look at this Bible verse from the book of Psalms. It says this, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. God clearly wants us to live with hope, but really, why should we? I mean, we look around at the world, and the world's a mess. We see the challenges in our lives, the trouble in the lives of people we care about, and it is so easy to get discouraged and sad and pessimistic. And so this question on your outline is so pivotal, why should you live with hope in this troubled world? To answer this question, I want us to take a look at a story It's found in Luke chapter 24. If you've got one of the brown Bibles that we provided for you, that's going to be on page 859. Luke writes a biography of Jesus, and he begins with the events surrounding the birth of Christ. And this is a time when there is great hope in Israel. God has promised that a Messiah, a deliverer is coming, and the nation sees Jesus as this person who has come to set them free from the oppression of the Roman Empire, and they see Jesus doing these miracles, they see that he has this this teaching that is powerful, that he has this, this authority, and they think maybe he's the one, the one in whom we can put our hope, but then things start to unravel, Jesus is arrested, he's put on trial, he's beaten, sentenced to death and on that Friday when Jesus died the hope of his disciples in fact the hope of a nation died with him three days after the death of Jesus two of his followers are walking down the road and they are devastated by what's happened and we pick the story up in Luke chapter 24 beginning with verse 13 now that same day two of them two of Jesus disciples were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. These two disciples were devastated because it looked like things had not turned out the way they hoped they would. Have you ever been there? Discouraged? Disappointed because things didn't turn out the way you hoped they would. But we had hoped that I wouldn't lose my job. We had hoped that it wouldn't be cancer. We had hoped that our child would make different choices. We had hoped that our life would turn out differently. Why should you live with hope when your heart is broken and life disappoints you? Well, here's an important reason. Because God can be trusted to keep his word. Our God can be trusted to keep his word. Look at verse 25. It says this, He, Jesus, said to them, How foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe, notice this, all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus diagnoses why these two disciples are feeling hopeless. They don't believe what the prophets have written, what the prophets have spoken. Now, what is a prophet? A prophet in the Old Testament is somebody who declares the will of God. They talk about what God is going to do in the future. In fact, a prophecy is a promise from God. And listen carefully, when you actually believe that God will do what he has promised, it enables your heart to be filled with what? With hope. If you're a Christian this morning, realize that in this book that we call the Bible are literally hundreds of promises that God has given to you. And not just promises about what he's gonna do someday, but promises about what he will do this day. And if you're not a Christian, if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, you can do that today. And these promises become yours. And think about this. When you wake up in the morning, when you look in the mirror, why should you start your day with hope? Because you have no idea what's going to happen. It could be a terrible day. It could be a day filled with pressures and problems and pain. Why should you start your day with hope? And here's the answer. Because God can be trusted to keep his promises to you. You see, when you're a believer, God has promised that he's with you. No matter what happens, he is for you. God says, I will give you the wisdom you need for every decision you'll make today. I'll give you patience. I'll give you strength. When you fall down, I'll pick you up. I will never leave you or forsake you. And listen, when you really believe that, it fills your heart with hope. Now, here's another reason to live with hope, because God can be trusted to accomplish his purpose in your life. God can be trusted to accomplish his purpose in your life. Look again at verse 25. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. And then Jesus goes on to say this Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Here's something I remind myself of when life is hard for me or for people that I love I can trust God completely despite all evidence to the contrary. I can trust God completely despite all evidence to the contrary. When Jesus was betrayed, when he was arrested, when he was brutally beaten, did it look like God was in control? No, not at all. When they took the lifeless body of Jesus down from a cross and put him into a tomb, did it look like God was in control? No. But was God actually in control? Absolutely. And we know that because three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You see, despite all opposition, despite all evidence to the contrary, God was able to accomplish his purpose in the life of his son. Now, follow the logic here. If God can accomplish his purpose in the life of Jesus, do you think he can accomplish his purpose in your life? And when you believe that, it fills your heart with what? With hope. Now, here's one more reason that we can live with hope, because God can be trusted to accomplish his purpose in this world. God can be trusted to accomplish his purpose in this world. Skip down to verse 45 for just a moment. Then he, Jesus, opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name, notice this, to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem past few weeks, I've had the privilege of traveling to some different nations in our world. I was in Nigeria, Africa, and then shortly after that, I traveled with my wife to Columbia, South America. And was able to spend time with pastors and with other Christians. And as many of you know, persecution against Christians in our world is on the rise. When I was in Nigeria, one of the guys on our team was from a church in Kentucky and that church is planting a new church in Nigeria that was to the north of where we are in this village. And that Sunday, while we were worshiping, he got news that the pastor of that church had been abducted and was feared dead. And then just a week or so ago, my wife Chris and I were at a pastor's conference in Colombia, South America, sponsored by Voice of the Martyrs. And we heard heartbreaking stories about persecution. There was a lady there, her name is Marta. And she told me and Chris about how the communist guerrillas had come into their church and taken 10 people outside and executed them. She said that she had seen over a hundred people in her village killed. And she told us a story about her, her son who was kidnapped by a communist guerrilla on a motorcycle and the motorcycle crashed and her, her son had this catastrophic head injury, but it saved his life because they brought him back to his mom and dad. And his. As Chris and I listened to these stories, we were just amazed because you would expect these people that have suffered so much to be discouraged, to be dejected, and it was just the opposite. When we would get together and pray and worship, they were filled with joy and they were filled with hope, and here's why. Because they really believe that God is going to accomplish his purpose in their lives. They believe that God is going to accomplish his purpose in this world, and church, we all need to remember this. That world history is going to unfold according to the purpose and the plan of Almighty God. And no no dictator, no world leader, no rogue regime, no parliament, no Congress, no, no terrorist group can stand in the way of God. And so when you watch the news and you hear about all these crazy things that are happening, don't be hopeless. God is not looking down from heaven and having a panic attack. God is not pacing back and forth and wringing his hands and saying, oh no, what am I going to do now? God is God. Jesus Christ said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is in charge of men and women and nations and all things. The Bible says God is sovereign. And because of that, what can we live with? We can live with hope. Now, I want to turn the corner here and answer this next question on your outline. What are the benefits of living with hope? What are the benefits of living with hope? I read this week about an experiment that was conducted at the University of California using these cute little test subjects. This is a Norwegian field rat And this is how the experiment worked they took these rats and they put them in this big tub of water and they wanted to see how long a rat could swim and after about seven hours the rats got really tired and they started to give up and so they took another group of rats and they conducted a different experiment when these rats got so tired that they started to give up and drown they took these rats out of the water and they dried them off and they let them rest And then they put the rats back in the water. And to the amazement of these researchers, the second group of rats could swim for 20 hours before giving up. And so the researchers concluded that the one distinction between group one and group two was this. The second group of rats had, they had hope. They had the hope of being rescued. And I thought about that story because so often our American culture is referred to as what kind of race? The rat race. Anybody here ever feel like a rat? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, push and shove, and there's so much happening. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed, but maybe, maybe this morning you're tired, and you feel like giving up. What will keep you going? Hope. The hope that there is a God who sees you, a God who cares about you, a God who can step into your situation and rescue you. Look at this verse. It's from the book of Isaiah such a powerful verse. It says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar in wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And here's what I want you to see. Hope in God makes you strong. Hope in God makes you strong. Now here's another benefit of hope. Hope in God's an anchor for your soul. An anchor for your soul. Look at this verse from the book of Hebrews. It says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now here's a a picture of a fairly large anchor, and you think about the purpose of an anchor. It keeps a boat from drifting with the current, isn't that true? And in the same way, hope is an anchor that keeps us drifting into doubt, drifting into discouragement, at times drifting into disobedience, because the currents of our culture will take us away from God, but hope keeps us closely connected to God. And if you're a parent this morning, think about your kids. As as our kids, our grandkids navigate through this life, what do they need? They need stability. They need a reference point that doesn't move. They need an anchor for their souls. And where does that anchor come from? It comes from hope. The hope that God can be trusted to do exactly what he says in his word. Now, here's another benefit of hope. Hope Hoping God brings joy and peace. Joy and peace. And peace. Look at this verse from Romans. It says this May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I often think about on Easter Sunday are the people that I love that are no longer here. My mom and my dad, who, who died a number of years ago, other people in our family, friends, people in our church family that are no longer here. I think about the guys that I worked with on the fire department when I was a paramedic and a firefighter. And especially on Easter, I think about the joy that we'll experience when there is this grand reunion in heaven. And I think about this because the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about heaven, but I've, I've often wondered what it's like when somebody arrives in heaven. You know, if you're already there, what is it like when a new person comes to heaven? And in the last couple of weeks, I've been on a lot of airplanes and in a lot of airports, and I was thinking, maybe it's like a flight board. You know when you look at the flight board and you find out where somebody's arriving? You go to the gate and you welcome them. You know, maybe people would look at the, the flight board in heaven, the people that I love that are already there, and see, hey, Dudley Hodge is arriving at 145 today on gate J. And they all run to meet me and welcome me home. I mean, can you imagine the joy of that experience? And think about this, you know, God gives us a promise, hey, there's a home for you. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And what's so amazing is that this place is not just, you know, a place you float around on a cloud and play a harp. It's a new heaven and a new earth, and that means we need a new body. And you talk about hope. That's a big source of hope. I was thinking about my dad the last few months of his life He had crippling arthritis. He couldn't even stand up straight. He was just in in pain all the time. And and I remember sitting next to him on the bed and saying, hey, Dad, Dad, remember, you're going to get a new body. And he kind of nodded his head. And I would say, listen, you know, when I was a kid, Dad, every time I got a new pair of sneakers, I would challenge you to race me. And I lost, I think, every single time. But when we get home to heaven, we're going to have another race because you're going to get a new body. And so am I. My dad would just smile because he really believed that was true. And I'll tell you this, when I get home to heaven and I race my dad, I really don't care who wins. But just, just the thought of running next to him again fills my heart with hope. And that brings us to this final question, how can you have this hope? How can you have this, this hope that, that makes you strong, this hope that keeps you going? And here's the answer. This is a verse from John's Gospel. And it says this, Yet to all who did receive him, this is about Jesus Christ, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And there are three key words in this this verse that I want to point out. The first is believe. Because if you want the hope that only Christ can give you, you have to believe the good news about Jesus. Now here's the deal, in order to believe the good news about Jesus, it starts with believing the bad news about yourself. Because the Bible says that that we have a heart problem. We come into this world with a heart that pulls us away from God, away from his purpose and away from his plan. God says, love me with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, love your neighbor as yourself. But nobody does that perfectly. And the Bible calls that sin. And sin separates us because God is holy and we're not. And because God is just, He has to punish every sin we've ever committed, and that just punishment is for us to die and to be separated from God forever. And it gets even worse, if you can imagine that, because the truth is we can't save ourselves. We would have to be perfect to be accepted by God, and nobody's perfect. And so we are literally in a hopeless situation. But remember where we started? God wants you to live with hope. Here's the hope. That this God described in the scripture who is one God that exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father sends God the Son Jesus to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus does what no one had ever been able to do. He lives a perfect life. And because of his perfect life, Jesus is uniquely qualified to be our substitute, to die in our place to pay for our sins. And that's why Jesus allows himself to be arrested. That's why he allows himself to be crucified because on the cross, God is willing to put your sin on Jesus and punish him in your place. The wrath of God that we deserve for our disobedience and sin is poured out in Christ and he dies. But the hope of Easter is that Jesus doesn't stay dead. Three days later, God raises his son to life and it is to prove that God the Father accepted his son's death as payment for our sins. And Jesus invites us to live a new life. But there's something we have to do to receive that new life. We have to actually confess our sins and turn away from our sins and accept this gift that God wants to give us. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. Jack, would you just stand up for a second? Hey, I have a, a $20 bill here that I would like to give you, Jack. His little spring in a step, did you see that? Jack, do you believe that I want to give you this $20? Yes, sir. You do believe that? Okay. Um, what do you have to do to actually transfer this to, to your hand? Yes, you have to receive it. Well, the offering box is right over there. So just, okay. See, there's a big difference from just believing that God offers you a gift. You have to do what? You have to receive that gift. You have to take it from God by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, by saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe you died for my sins and I want to follow you. And when you do that, when you believe the good news about Jesus, when you receive this gift of a new life, this is what happens. You become the person that God created you to be. When you trust Jesus Christ, you get a new record. Your past is completely settled. When you trust Jesus Christ, you get a new identity because you're adopted into God's family. You're God's kid, his son, his daughter. And when you trust Jesus Christ, you're given a new potential. You can actually change because you're not just relying on your power. It's the power of Christ living in you through his Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I have one final question that I'd like to ask you. And I believe you already know the answer. It's actually just one word, has four letters, starts with the letter H. And when I ask the question, this is what I'd love for you to do. I'd like for you to say the answer like you really believe it, like you really mean it. So church, are you ready? Here's the question. Because of Easter, because Jesus Christ is alive, what can we live with? pray with me? Father, thank you for Easter. Thank you that because of Jesus, there really is hope. And God, on, on behalf of every believer here today, I want to thank you that that our past is settled, that our future is assured, and that you will give us the strength we need for every challenge we face today. And with our heads bowed, listen, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, if you want a new beginning for your life, a life of hope, You can talk to God and tell him that right now. In your own words, you can just tell God that you're sorry for your sin and ask him to forgive you. Just do that in your own words. And now you don't have to say anything aloud. You can just say this in your heart. Tell God that you believe Jesus died for your sins and that he came back to life. And finally, tell God this. In your own words, God, I just, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be the person you made me to be. And with your head still bowed, if you just pray to begin a new life with Jesus, would you just slip your hand up as we keep our heads bowed right now? Father, this morning, I'm sure that some of us are going through some difficult times on this Easter Sunday and... Lord, some of us are feeling discouraged, depressed, alone. If that's how you feel right now, just say this in your heart to God. Father, I want to give all these problems to you. I need your strength to manage the the stress in my life. And God, today, please do this. Please fill me with your hope and your peace and your power on this Easter morning. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen.